Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. We are blessed with a guest today, Caleb from Brooklyn Netscast, or Netcast, I'm sorry. I think of the Nets. I want to say Nets. I know it's Nets. Everybody does. Everybody does. It's tough. It's tough. Caleb joins the podcast. Uh, He is sort of replacing Nick today. Nick is busy with a ton of work calls, but he might join later. I'm kind of hoping he doesn't. We welcome Caleb to the pod. Caleb, how are you, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. First of all, I want to thank you for for coming on. And and a quick sort of summary, why don't you explain to everyone listening? Because I know, you know, Brooklyn Netcast has a nice following. Fireside Nets has a nice following. Our followers might not be the same. So the point of of having you on and, and talking Nets is not only to create great content, but to also share with our listeners who you are and, and what Brooklyn Netcast is about. So uh, the floor is yours. All right. So I want to start by thanking you for having me on. This is um, definitely a collab I've been looking forward to for quite some time now. We talked about it uh, a few weeks ago. And I was like, definitely got to get on there and get this done. Because, uh, yeah, Fireside Nets is one of the best um, Nets pages out there and have some of the best Nets content. So if you are looking for another place to find some of your Nets content, of course, go to them. Um I, I listen almost every every pod, so like uh, I'm a common listener as well. So there you go. I love to hear that. Yeah, definitely uh, one of my favorite pages. Um, Brooklyn Netcast is uh, we we do a lot of our work on Twitter. I mean, a lot of our content comes out on there. We do a pod, of course, it's on Spotify under the same name, Brooklyn Netcast, and uh, we have a website that we've been working on, um, getting a good amount of articles out there, and it's been going pretty well. I want to also thank uh, Lab, also known as Playboy Claxton. Brendan Riccardi and Cody, who have been putting in a ton of work to make all this happen. I just get to do the fun stuff. I get to run the Twitter, put out the content, hop on the podcasts, and be like the name that people know is like, you know, like Caleb's under there a lot when they talk to us, they mention by my name. So I get to do all the fun stuff. They do a lot of behind the scenes work and all the important things. So I want to thank them, of course. And yeah, just follow us and uh, we'll give you some of the best, best content we can. Yeah, shout out to the Brooklyn Netcast. They are a collaborative team of diehard Nets fans, great writers, great content producers. You. you can follow them on Twitter at Brooklyn N-E-T Cast, C-A-S-T. That's Brooklyn N-E-T-C-A-S-T. All right, Caleb, are you ready to get into some Nets talk? Because it has Absolutely. been a doozy of a day for Nets fans. I don't necessarily want to put a negative connotation on this recent news, but, you know, when Kyrie Irving's name is involved, everyone on Nets Twitter goes nuts, whether it's for the good or the bad. So recently, Sham Sharania came out with an an article on The Athletic. I don't pay for The Athletic uh, because I I don't want to waste my money because people send me the articles. I'm sure you're able with your sources to to get the the article or or the content of the article anyway, but – Basically, what we saw, Caleb, is that there is a renewed optimism. I'm quoting those words, renewed optimism, that Kyrie Irving will return to the Brooklyn Nets at some point this year. Now, the annoying part of the article is it's unclear what his path to return would be. Will he get vaccinated? 
Will the Nets allow him to play road games, something they were extremely against at the start of the season when this came up? Have they sort of loosened their stance on that? Um, Nobody really knows. So, you know, aside from that and also in the report, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have increased communication between the two of them. I mean, what when, Caleb, you receive this new information, what exactly do you do with this? And, and are you any more optimistic than you were yesterday that Kyrie Irving will come back and play with the Nets this season? I personally, I, I know I have a different stance than most people do, but I've had full hope this whole process and uh, this whole way. I've been saying February, late February, March is the return time. I still think that is the case. Um I see people saying before Christmas, I don't relatively think that's correct or true. I, I like the optimism and I'm being optimistic about the situation. But in general, I think it's just a long shot for him to come back that soon. But I've said February, March, and I kind of like that uh, Sham has basically just pushed what I've been hoping for people to see for a long time now. So that was my huge thing is people are seeing the same things that I am and others are that are on the same boat with uh, thinking he'll come back soon and uh, really just – doubling down that he definitely could come back this season. So I really liked that he did put that out there and uh, gave gave regular fans that didn't like belief, I guess, hope and uh, give him a little bit more push towards that side. Let's say the Nets allow Kyrie to play just on the road. Would you be okay with that? Is that something that you would like to see? There's two ways of looking at this. Um, the positives, obviously, you get Kyrie. Um, you're going to be destroying teams on away games for the most part. Uh, it's just something new to the uh, table, and uh, it's exciting. Everybody loves watching Kyrie Irving play basketball, and it's because he's the most electric player in basketball over Kevin Durant, James Harden. He's the most exciting to watch. That, that's what he brings to the table. And uh, on that point, that that's like always exciting. But the bad part would be it might hurt chemistry a little bit. It might mess with the rotations a little bit. Uh, I have faith in Nash and the team to deal with that the correct way, but I feel like there could be a little bit of difficulty on that end of things. And uh, it, it would be nice in that aspect. You take a few minutes away from Cam, a few from Mills. That kind of you know sucks, but like he's far better. Um, Javon's out of the rotation, so Nets fans can rejoice about that because they've been asking about that forever, but we just don't have people to do that right now. So that would happen. But in general, I'm I'm all for it really. There's a lot going on here. Um, I don't necessarily look. I, I've always sort of been in the middle. I, I would love to see Kyrie come back and play. Um, when you say he is the most exciting player in basketball, I think that he has one of the deepest bags in the NBA. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think you know. You can think of maybe Steph Curry, um, but a lot of his his stuff is from beyond the arc. From within the three-point line, I don't think that there's a player in the NBA that's more creative with the basketball than Kyrie Irving. I mean, he's up there. Um, ever. So, right. So from that standpoint, ever ever's tough. I mean, you and I have only been alive for, for a certain amount of time. I don't know if I can speak on uh, on the guys from the 80s and the 90s and the 70s, but I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll give in the last 20 years, few have come close to the bag that Kyrie has in regards oh. to what he can do on the basketball court. Um. From the standpoint of, of this article, I'm just – I question what what are the Nets releasing, right? Because from what I've seen, the Nets don't release a lot of information to Shams. They more or less leak their information to Woj. So this seems like it's coming more from Kyrie Irving's camp, and it's a little bit funny. I'm not going to say it's, it's strange or, or weird, but 
you know, last week an article comes out from Scoopy of Bali Sports, Bali Sports, basically saying that, you know, Kyrie's been staying in shape. He's on this diet. If there's a plant-based vaccination that is available, Kyrie would take that. Um, nothing new, but these little tidbits of information that you sort of read and you just go, huh, okay. And then now we move on. This this new article comes out from Shams, and, and I see that word renewed optimism. And I think that is something that someone wanted you and I to read. That is something that someone wanted all of Nets Twitter to see. Was that the Nets? I don't think so. I think it might have been Kyrie or, or Kyrie's people, his agent, yeah. whoever. So I, I think about the motivation behind this article, and that's what sort of just makes me stop and pause and think, okay, let, let me take a step back. Uh, what are we really doing here? You know, I, I don't know if the Nets are going to bend the knee and say, yeah, he can play road games all of a sudden because of an article like this. I just, I just don't know. The fact that they're unclear on the path of his return, but they're quote unquote optimistic about it. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. It, it's like saying, you know, Hey, I got these tickets to a 76ers game in Philly. They're playing the Nets. I don't know how you're going to get there. You know, I don't know if I can give you a ride. I don't know if you can take a train. I don't know if you can take a bus. I don't even know if those means of transportation are available, but I got you tickets and the two of us are going. Like, you would be like, what the hell? How am I getting there? So I know I went on a little bit of a rant, but that's my only problem with a report like this is it's great to say, you know, hey, look, we all know from his Instagram Live in October, he wants to play basketball. It's not like he doesn't want to play. We know that he has a strong relationship with Kevin Durant, and if he had his way, he'd most likely want to play with the Nets over any other team in the NBA. I I think we're in agreement there. Absolutely. The point that comes into play is how do we get – to Kyrie playing for the Brooklyn Nets. And until we know the answer to that, all this shit is hoopla to me. It just is. I agree on a, to a certain extent, at least. Um, it, It's weird how it, the whole situation just doesn't exactly piece together correctly. Like you said, it's just a bunch of information that does not connect or mesh together. It's just weird when it comes down to it. So it just uh, it's just a whole weird situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's odd, but uh, I just, you know, everyone who listened to that rant, just take a bookmark of that because I think until we get the Avenue for his return, we don't know anything. You and I both don't know anything. We want to see him play. We think he wants to play, but what do the nets want? What are the nets going to allow? These are the questions that until we get answers to, there's just no point in going back and forth. Um, So I think, I think that's everything on the Kyrie front. Did I miss anything? No, I think that's really about – I mean, there's so much information about it. You probably could go on for days about it, for well, being 100% honest. Also, Nets Twitter is going nuts. That's the funniest part of That's the best part. I love it. You love that. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, it. everybody. You got the people who are now come back out and they say, oh, my God, Kyrie, just get the shot. You have the people who are saying, Kyrie, you should play away games. The Nets are really screwing you. And you just get this whole back and forth between everybody on Nets Twitter. It's very funny. Um, yeah, it, it yeah. really is. I, I love it. <laughs> all right, we're going to move on. So, Caleb, how we normally do things here, we like to go over all the games that we didn't cover on the last podcast. We start with the most recent game. That was the Nets against the Pistons on Sunday mm-hmm. night. James Harden was getting some rest, so no James Harden. Kevin Durant said, guys, don't worry about it. This is a night where I'm going to take – 31 shots. I'm going to make 16 of them. I'm going to score 51 points. That's the most points this season. 
Um, in the NBA, I'm going to have nine assists. I'm going to have seven rebounds. And I'm basically, I got us in the fourth quarter. Don't worry. Claxton, you get us defensively. Ken Thomas, you hit some big shots. But Kevin Durant told everybody, hey, I'm big daddy here. Watch this. 51 points for him in 41 minutes. Um, I mean, let's start with KD. We have not seen a performance like this since our our final game or game five against the Bucks when KD put up 49, I believe. I believe. Uh, Correct, yeah. I mean, what were your thoughts after watching this? Were you shocked he hit 51, or did you think that this was necessary for the Nets to win? It was definitely necessary for the Nets to win. My thing is um, – Kevin Durant does not love to take a bunch of shots. He's a team guy. But it's, oh, it came down to it, I think, where he realized, okay, I don't have James. I don't have Kyrie. I don't have Joe. I got to take shots because as much as all the other role players can hit their shots, I mean, Patty had a decent night, but he did miss a good amount of shots. So when it comes down to it, he's the only reliable scorer left. And maybe, I guess, LaMarcus you could throw in there somewhat reliable. You know, he's not going to give you, like, 30, though. But – um. He just took the game into his hands. It was some of the most masterful Nets basketball from one player I've ever watched. Um, of course, the playoffs last year with the Bucks, he played like this every night. But this was just different defense, um, blocking shots, stealing the ball, on um, being aggressive in the paint with Isaiah Stewart. Even shutting him down a few times was very impressive. And uh, his playmaking, full court passes, he had two of those, one to Patty, one to Cam that were just absolute dots. And then he's just hitting everything, uh, pull-up threes, um, reverse layups, uh, pull-ups, turnarounds. It was just some of the most precise, masterful basketball I've ever seen. And uh, shout-outs to Cam Thomas as well for being a good contributor last night. But, yeah, Kevin Durant is the MVP. He's on a different planet. It's not close. I don't care what anybody says. It's not Curry. It's not Giannis. It's not Jokic. It's Kate. There are a few players in the NBA that can take a game like this with your second best player on rest and just take over and and say, I am literally going to put the team on my back and win this game. Kobe Bryant can do it back in the day. Um, Thinking of guys in today's NBA, I mean. Greg Jennings. Greg Jennings. Put the team on my back, though. I like it, Caleb. (laughs) Of course. I like it. That That was a good reference. Um, There are a few guys who can do it. I mean, I'm trying to think out loud. You know, Luka – Doncic, but not in the way that Durant can do it with the scoring. I don't think Luke is capable of putting up 50. Uh, Paul George is someone who can kind of do it in a, in a different capacity. He, he's yeah. he's done a great job for the Clippers this year. I, I think he should be an MVP cons- uh, candidate. Um, but the fact that, you know, no James Harden, like you said, Patty Mills, LaMarcus Aldridge, is a tie between who our second best scorer is. Cam Thomas is, is starting to come into his own a little bit, but he's still only like seven or eight games in this season that he's actually seen the court. Uh, it, it was unbelievable for KD to look at the Pistons and say, you guys are just too young, you're too inexperienced to even handle what I got for you. Uh, the best, my favorite part of Ke- Kevin Durant's offensive game, it's not when he makes it, it's when he misses shots. Almost nine times out of ten, you'll see him get the ball, come back, and take another shot right after that. Oh, and yeah. he'll usually hit that second shot. If he misses one or two shots in a row, he ain't missing three, uh, especially mm. in a game like this where they needed him. So, Hats off to him. He was he was insane. And the Nets collectively as a defensive unit, I mean, 24 they allowed in the first, 33 in the second, 34 in the third. 13. And then this is becoming a trend. You said it best, 13 points in the fourth. They held at one point, I think it was like four or five minutes left. The Pistons had scored one point. Or I think like, it was 
Eight minutes in, we let up three points. If okay, I'm there correct. you go. So I'm exaggerating. But that is just insane. Eight minutes in, three points. Um, and it starts with Kevin Durant. He was Absolutely. he was guarding Cade Cunningham. He was guarding Isaiah Stewart. He was guarding virtually anyone who was a scoring threat. And then that trickles down to guys like James Johnson, LaMarcus Aldridge, Patty Mills, Nick Claxton, who, by the way, we're going to get to the Mavs and the Hawks, has had oh, yeah. an unbelievable week for the Nets on the defensive side of the ball. He comes in. He gives you much, He was a plus 19 in this game. He gives you a much added defense. And just an overall great performance by, by the team rallying around Durant. Cam Thomas had 13 off the bench, 6 of 11 for him. He hit some big shots. I'm getting to the point where I want to start seeing Cam putting up 15 to 20 a game. Oh, I, I know sure. I know it's hard to do that in 29 minutes. I'm sure you're a Cam Thomas guy, but oh, you know, the, the fact that he's coming in, he knows he's not supposed to step on anybody's toes, yet he's hitting the confident fast break three. I mean, he's, he's taking the ball to the rack and finishing on the opposite side of the basket. He's doing things that you don't necessarily see from a rookie who is playing with a Kevin Durant and a James Harden. So. Yeah. Him, Claxton, Durant really impressed me in this one. I mean, Mills, you said he didn't shoot well, 7 to 17 from the field. He still had 18 points, 15 for LaMarcus Aldridge, um, and Bruce Brown added added eight as well. So, I mean, great defensive game for the Nets. They really did, the, did their job against a not-so-great Pistons team in the fourth quarter. Uh, on the flip side, you look at Cade Cunningham, 26 points for him. He had a great night. 25 for Frank Jackson. Jackson hit six threes in this game. Cade Cunningham hit five threes, uh, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to beat your first place Brooklyn Nets. Quick shout out to Cade Cunningham, though. That he's going to be absolutely insane. Um, he's got the same. You mentioned KD, how he's got that scores mentality. When he misses a shot, comes right back, takes another one. I see the exact same thing with Cade. It's that scores mentality. I, I'm not going to miss two in a row. I, I'm I'm better than you kind of mentality. Same thing with Cam, of course, too. They they all have it. It's uh something Harden doesn't have anymore, or currently at least. Well, we'll we'll get to him in the Rockets game. I have a lot to say oh, because KD yeah. showed out in his game without Harden. Harden did not do the yeah. same without KD. Um, the final thing I'll say about this game, how pumped are you when he had 49 and the game was over with like a minute and 40 left? Nash keeps him in. He goes, oh. he hits the baseline jumper to get 51. How how excited were you when he did that? Well, okay, here's here's my thing. Earlier, I'm I'm a I'm a Bills fan. So earlier that night we got BS by the refs and I was in a bad mood. Very okay. bad mood. It was it was frustrating. Beyond the point um, the, the pass interference no call against Diggs, was it? That and then um they didn't get a first down on the one play and they called it a first. He was like short by a half yard and they okay. called it first start. Okay, those two hey, just pissed Brady, me off. Brady's gonna get those calls. I'm sorry. That's that's yeah, just the Tom Brady effect. It, it was painful. Um but yeah, uh I was in a bad mood, and then he, I saw the whole, like, all of Nets Twitter just was like, Nash is going to keep him in. Nash won't keep him in. Nash won't keep him in. And I, I, it, it flicks back on, and Katie's in the game. I'm like, oh, no. Like, he, he's going for it. And then after the game, after he got it, I was like, pumped. I was like, oh, it's, it's time to push some narratives, time to, time to go for it all. But then, um, uh, Grady asked Katie, did you know how close you were to 50? And he said, yeah, absolutely. And then uh, also he said uh, to Cam when he's walked there walking out, he said, that's white work for me, which was just absolutely just – that's gold, absolute gold right there. Oh, man, he's really racking up the minutes, Kevin Durant is. He had 41 in this one. But you know what? I think at this point Nash trusts him. He knows that 
He's his leader, and he's got to defer to Kevin Durant. And if KD wants to stay in the game to get 51, you let him get that, all right? Absolutely. You let him You let him be the high point man so far up to this point. Sorry, Steph, your 50 means nothing right now because KD scored 51. All right, Caleb, we're going to move on. We're going to go all the way back to last Tuesday, if you can remember. We played the Dallas Mavericks. I believe this was coming off against a loss to the Bulls that Saturday. Yeah. So first game after a loss. You know, Dallas is no slouch. They pretty much had our number in this one in the first half. Um, the third quarter, we kind of pushed, only beat them by a point. But, you know, this 13 points allowed in the fourth quarter that, that we talked about um, against the Pistons, same thing with the Mavs. We were able to slow Luka Doncic down. I don't want to say shut him down, but Nick Claxton – Boy, oh boy, when you have a five that can defend every single position on the court, he's quick, he's agile. You know, he was able to really slow Luca down, make Luca sort of question his decision making in that fourth. And that's all Durant needed. I mean, 24 for Durant, seven rebounds. He hit some big shots down the stretch, 23 points for Harden, 12 assists, nine rebounds in 42 minutes. Um, this was just a great team win against a Mavericks team on the road, or I'm sorry, the Nets were on the road, but, you know, they had everything going for them in the first half. Porzingis was cooking. Luka was cooking. Finney Smith was hitting open threes. Um, Hardaway Jr. hit a few shots early on. Jalen Brunson ended up with 10 points. Like, this was a game where, where the Mavs easily could have ran away with it in the second half, but when the Nets clamped down on defense, and this, is, this has been a theme, they are a very defensive sound team in the second half in these last few weeks. So, what were some of your major takeaways from this 102-99 Nets win over the Dallas Mavericks? Nick Claxton. It's the whole takeaway, really. Um, he's so just – he's young, and he's a lot to go through, a lot to learn. His footwork isn't great, which is the thing that makes this so amazing to me, is that for how his – like, iffy his footwork is, how good he is at defending guards. His uh, – yeah, like you said, his length, size – athleticism how agile and quick he is is just amazing uh i made i have this new thing that i'm doing right now it's called claxton correctional facility so basically um luca is the new addition to that correctional facility and uh he just when he's not stopping them from shooting when he's not blocking the shots he's just all up in their face make not letting them shoot he did this with uh damon cj last year too he just he uses his length doesn't let you get by him Makes you stay in front, makes you try and take a three, you miss, and then it's a swing of points. So he just was bringing that defense and it was swinging over. And then uh, Harden they hit a very clutch shot there late in the game, and then uh, KD hit some clutch shots. So his defense is translating to that offense. And uh, I think it's another huge thing. He just may not be putting up the numbers on the offensive side, but he's generating it through his defense. So, really, just amazing job by Claxton. I loved that he got in Luka Doncic's head. There was that moment where he kind of – he yeah. was in Doncic's face after a play. Yeah. Luka pushed him. Luka gets teed up. That is huge. When you can have your backup center, who, by the way, you look at the stat line, it's not very impressive. He only had six points, nine rebounds in 21 minutes. But he's able to get in the head of the best player on the opposing team. He's able to contribute on the defensive side of the ball about – almost as efficiently as I want to say anybody else who's a backup center in the league right now, if not the most efficient backup most center on defense. Um, and he's the best 
versatile defender outside of Kevin Durant on this team right now. And I love the thing he does where, you know, once, once he squares up with a guard, he does a quick sort of jab with one of his hands. It's either his left or his right hand, but it throws the ball handler off a little bit. It really, he did Every it with Trey Young. He did it with Luca. And, you know, to shoot over a guy who's 6'11 with a 7'5, 7'6, whatever his freaking wingspan is, it's awesome. It, it's absolutely awesome. I love the Claxton Correctional facility. I'm definitely going to use that from now on, but I will absolutely credit you, Caleb. That is that is good. I like that. We're coming out with um, shirts. We're, we're coming out we're coming with shirts. Out with shirts. I cannot I'll wait. Tell, I'll tell you what. I don't always love the plus minus uh, statistic. I think in, in blowout wins or blowout losses, it means absolutely nothing. Yeah. But in a close game like this, Nick Claxton had the best plus minus on the team with plus nine. The second best was James Johnson with plus eight. That's because Nash plays Johnson in fourth quarter minutes. And then James Harden with a plus seven. But man, oh man, you cannot undervalue the effectiveness and the way that Claxton has a presence on defense in crunch time against these teams. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I yeah. quickly want to talk to you about one lineup that I've been noticing that's been so effective okay. yeah. is what I call the Nets version of the Cavs, okay. which is KD, James Johnson, and Nick Claxton. It's the yes. big lineup. And uh, their defense has been absolutely outstanding. It's the best defensive lineup we actually have when we're running them three on the floor. We're playing our most efficient basketball with them three on the floor together, which is nothing anybody expected with James Johnson and Nick Claxton. Of course, Kevin Durant is that guy. But when them three are on the floor, they have the best defensive numbers by far than any other lineup that they have, like a three-person lineup. So I absolutely love that lineup and that length. And um, obviously James, he's a big guard, so he adds to that length. And they've been playing a lot of memory with them and some mills as well. So if we can keep playing that lineup and keep integrating the big lineups in games like that and defensive scenarios, I think we could really shock some people in the playoffs with, even if like we're getting Kyrie back, but I just want to play devil's advocate with like, even if we don't have Kyrie, that team will shut down your team and we'll get some wins. So I just love that lineup. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think that, you know, you add uh, Patty Mills and James Harden, I think that's probably your closing five right now, um, depending on if, you know, you want to go smaller, you replace James Johnson with a Bruce Brown. But I think James Johnson, Claxton, Durant, and then Patty and and and, uh, and Harden, those are your closing five right now. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely, okay. without a doubt. It's a perfect mixture of spacing and defense and just everything. You know, I love it. No, I'm, I'm with you. I love it. And it's crazy to think that this team a year ago when we had Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant, has sort of transformed themselves into this defensive juggernaut. Oh, yeah. um, a game in which we could have used a little bit more defense. We played the Rockets on Wednesday night. This was Kevin Durant's rest game. This was James Harden's opportunity to sort of prove everybody wrong. And this is the opposite of Claxton, right? Because if you didn't watch this game and you look at the statistics, by the way, the Nets lost 114-104 to the Rockets on Wednesday night in Houston. Um, Harden statistically had a good game, 25 points, 11 rebounds, eight assists. Um, but he was four of 16 from the field, three of 12 from three. He got 14 of his points at the line. And the number that, you know, Nets fans are getting sick of is that turnover number. He had eight in this game. Uh, somehow this young Rockets team really did a good job of, of, of turning the Nets over. They had 13 in, in total, actually. So that's not bad outside of Harden. Nobody had 
more than one turnover. But, um, you know, Eric Gordon showed up in this one, 21 on 8 of 12 from the field for Houston. Garrison Matthews, I think his name is. He was on the Wizards last year. That's killer. I don't know about you, Caleb, but he punked James Harden a few times. Yeah. If you saw the game, there was a play where James Harden, the, uh, the Nets took it out underneath the uh, the Rockets basket to bring it up. Harden let the ball sort of roll past him. Garrison Matthews jumped on the ball. Harden jumped on Matthews, fouled him. Uh, that was the most embarrassing play, but there were several other moments where, where Harden just, you know, he, he, he didn't look like himself. He didn't look like last year's James Harden. And uh, I'm sort of tired of this back and forth. Now, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to give him a little bit of leeway. No Kevin Durant. He has no one else to depend on to create. So a lot of the turnovers, a lot of the reasons that that he's he's giving the ball to the other team is because he's trying to do too much, which has never really been an issue with his game. But now that you have no Kyrie, Kevin Durant's off for the night, I'll give him that. You're also on the second half of a back-to-back. You played a very close game with the Mavericks. It's I'm not saying expected, but it's understandable for teams to let their yeah. guards down in the second half of a back-to-back, regardless of who you're playing. You know, Houston, now they're, they're a lot more respectable than, than their record was. Um, because they've won a few games, but they're still an NBA team. They still have, you know, some some talent with Gordon and Christian Wood and Jay Sean Tate played in this one. Josh Christopher, by the way, holy shit. Uh, 18 points on seven of seven from the field, four of four from three in 23 minutes. I mean, you want to point to one guy who absolutely killed us. He came in and didn't miss a shot. Um, that was insane. But, you know, look, the Nets don't lose a ton. We, we've only lost, what, eight times in our, our 27 games so far. Um, but this was definitely a tough loss. I mean, we were within four points at one point in the fourth quarter. I mean, we scored 31 points in that quarter, but we did not um, stop the Rockets from scoring this entire game. They scored 23 or more. They had 37 in the second quarter. Uh, and and virtually nobody else showed up in this one. I mean, I'll give Cam Thomas credit. He had 18 points of seven on 7 of 15 from the field. Uh, he was a minus 22, which is which is way worse than anybody else. Um, but just a tough loss. I, I mean, do you have any real takeaways from this loss? Or do you think this is just sort of, eh, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, second half of a back-to-back, it is what it is. Here's how I look at it, at least. Um, Rockets are, we're on a, are on a house streak right now, so they came out hot. Um, when you have players like Garrison Matthews and Josh Christopher not missing shots, which just doesn't happen very often, like that they're like, like – not discrediting them because they're both, you know, good players, but they're not like the guys you're gonna. They're not like Steph Curry or Kevin Durant where they're gonna come out there and dominate. So when they them two combined, they're shooting about like ninety percent from the floor and have thirty-seven points. It's kind of difficult when you're missing four or five starters. I will say, I mean, you know, you don't have your spacing in Joe Harris. You don't have Kevin Durant. We didn't have Lamarcus, and then we also, of course, still don't have Kyrie. So when like. You have that many players out. You're on a back-to-back. We do have – you know, teams have rough nights. And when you have another team playing like that in a hot streak, it's just difficult. Like you said, not not like I expected it, but it's understandable. And it does happen. You do lose to teams that are worse than you because they have good games. They're an NBA team, like you said. Yes. No, I, I agree with you. And I think that – you know, I think it's interesting. If LaMarcus Aldridge plays in this game, 
and James Harden has some sort of security blanket, you know, the way Kevin Durant uses Aldridge, where he uses him a lot in the screen and roll. Aldridge gets that 10 to 15 footer, and he, he makes that shot almost every single time. If Harden can lean on one other guy, because Patty was very cold in this game, 12 Extreme. points on three of 11 from the field. Um, outside of Patty, if you don't have LaMarcus Aldridge, there's virtually no one on this roster. And I don't want to – I mean, Cam had, a, had an okay game, but – you know, there's nobody else that can sort of help Harden with the scoring load who gets significant time. I mean, Bembry's not a scorer. Bruce Brown's not a scorer. Uh, Claxton, as great as he is, he's not a scorer. James Johnson will get you a random 18 to 20 here, but he's not really a scorer. So it's just Harden, Mills, and Cam Thomas, and that was really it. So I wonder if Aldridge played, do the Nets have a little bit more success? Are they able to sort of sneak out a victory? Um, but this was also, you know, James Harden was the best player on the court in this game. And it just, I'm very critical of James Harden. I am, I admit it. Uh, some of Nets Twitter gets mad at me. They say, look at his statistics. He's still an all-star. He's still, you know, the second best player on the team on, on the first place team in the East. Why you got to give him so much shit. And it's because I hold him to a very high standard. I mean, this is a guy who at his peak, you can argue was just as good as Steph Curry when he was with the Rockets and, and, and what he did when he first came over to the Nets last year, we had never seen someone do those types of things since Jason Kidd from, from the vision and, and he, Harden's a much better scorer than Kidd. So I think that I get frustrated in games like these because of the standard I hold Harden to. And, and I've seen the post-game pressers. I know that, you know, he'll say, he'll say things like, well, without Kyrie, without KD, we don't have the spacing we need. I'm trying to force passes in places where, you know, I, I can't really fit them right now because it's not there. The 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 lane or the avenue I'm trying to get the ball to isn't there because of the spacing. And I hear all that, but you know that you can maybe attribute two or three turn, turnovers to that, not eight. You no, know what no, I'm saying? It's not, lazy. It's lazy. So I, I, you know, time and time again, I, I'll see a game from Harden like that Mavs game. I loved what Harden did. Harden really controlled most of that Mavs game until the fourth quarter when, when Durant hit a few shots. I think Harden hit a key layup. Um, yeah. But that was a game where I was like, if James Harden can just give me that, I don't need him to go for 40 and, and 20. I don't need that. But if he can give me 25, 10, and two turnovers, I will and, – and not and not shoot the ball terribly from the field because he has been a little bit off from three this year, I would gladly take that. It's just some of his decision-making, it's not what it, it was last year. Obviously, he's a little bit slower after the injury, and uh, it's just games like this I get very frustrated with him. Here's what my, my – I guess not everybody loves my idea of what we should do, but I think around All-Star break, like uh, a few games before and a few after, you shut him down. Give him about three weeks. Okay. Give the man three weeks to do whatever he needs to do. Give him in the best shape you can. Get him conditioned, get him ready, get him in the right mental state, and then throw him back out there. Give him like three weeks, and because three weeks in, in, with the All Star break isn't that bad. I mean, we can go like six, five, five games without James, six games without James isn't going to blow up everything. So I, I, I don't hate. I'm sorry. You want you can you can finish. No, no, I'm sorry. All you, all you, all you. I don't want to say I hate the idea because I think in spirit it's a really good idea, but. If the guy has played 30 to 35 NBA games already, 
Do you really think he's going to want to take three weeks or two weeks or whatever? I miss seven or eight games to like really get in shape. Do you think that he has that? I, I just, my, my, my thing to you is I don't know if there's ever been an NBA player to take time off, time off mid season just to get more in shape. Now I will say that's sort of what the nets have done with Claxton a little bit. Yeah. So it's interesting because they, they did sort of, and I know Claxton had the non COVID medical issue and I think he had mono and, and he was dealing with that. Um, but they wait, they waited until he was ready and then they amped him up with the G league and, and, and then now look at him. He looks great in the fourth quarter. So maybe, maybe the nets can do that. I just think if you give James Harden two or three weeks off, is he going to really kill himself, get in the gym and, and, and get in shape? Or is he going to do other things, maybe enjoy himself a little bit? All-star break's coming up. We know NBA players like to have a good time during the all-star break, be with their families, party, whatever. I don't know. I'm not sure if if it would have the result that you're looking for. Yeah, that's where I was like on the edge about is like if we do – first of all, I my whole thing is I don't know how much of a decision – of his decision it would be to be out for three weeks. I think if the team really fell, oh, he would have to co-sign that. He, I think he'd have to co-sign, yeah. but I think if the Nets coaching staff really pushed him and felt the way that I do, mm-hmm. I think he would go with it to a certain extent. Wouldn't love it, but like if they keep telling him, Hey, let's take a few, take a week or so off, give it some time, get into sh- better shape. I think he might go for it. But the question would be how committed is he to get into the best shape that he possibly can? And that's where it's kind of a question mark. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I, I'll tell you this. I, I like to play pickup basketball in my spare time and I'm a bigger body. I've, I've packed on some weight in my six years since graduating college. And uh, I know if you gave me six to seven months to get in shape, I could be a much better basketball player. Do I want to do that? Would I rather just sort of lug around my weight? Sure. I also don't get paid millions of dollars to play basketball. I'm not good enough. I didn't play in college. But I, I look. It's it's basic science. If you're in shape, if you're if you're in basketball shape, if you're a little bit thinner, and you play a, a position that requires you to move constantly, you'll probably be a step ahead of the game. Like Harden has always been in his career. This year, it just seems like he's either on the same step as everybody, or he's a step behind because you really don't see him getting by guys. With his speed now, he's got to be a little bit more crafty on how he gets to the lane. I do like that. You know, occasionally he uses his brute strength just to body people and and, and finishes with contact. He's still very good at doing that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I'd like performances like the one he had against Houston to just not exist. You know, I don't I don't even care if they lose the game. Just just don't give me an eight turnover game where you get punked multiple times by Garrison Matthews. I'm going to keep going back to it because it frustrated the shit out of me. Um, But we're going to move on. We're going to move on, Caleb, because the Nets played one more game this week on Friday. They finished the week three and one. Very impressive win against the Hawks on Friday night, 113-105 in Atlanta. We didn't necessarily hold the Hawks to 13 points in the fourth quarter. We held them to 14 points in the fourth quarter. Still a great defensive effort by the Nets. And again, it was more of the same. Nick Claxton coming in in the fourth quarter, making life difficult for Trey Young. KD had 31 points in 38 minutes, six of seven from the line. Um, No one really shot the three-point ball well in this one. Cam Thomas was three of four from three. Outside of him, nobody made more than one three-point ball. But this required 
a collective team effort on the Nets to win this game. James Harden had 20, 11 assists, five rebounds. Aldridge chipped in with 15. Um, Bruce Brown had 15 off the bench on six of nine from shoot from the field. And then Patty Mills finished with 11 points as well. So outside of Kevin Durant, no one really packed the stat sheet, but we were able to do just enough to make life difficult for Trey Young in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, you saw the Hawks go cold, uh, especially, and, and, and we got to give credit because I know you've been a Nets fan for a while now, at yeah. least uh, long enough to remember Timothy Luau Cabarro and the fact that, he was giving the Nets so many boneheaded possessions on Friday night, whether it was a turnover, whether it was a bad foul. He, what, how much did he score? He scored zero points on 0 of 8 from the field. He did not turn the ball over, but he had five fouls and he started, and that was in 31 minutes. You know, I don't want to make the joke that he was a, a sleeper cell for the Nets, but he looked awful on Friday and it just made me so happy that he's not a Brooklyn net anymore. And we still have Javon Carter. So we got to work on that, but man, Oh man, it was nice to see KD cook in that fourth. It was nice to see Claxton shut down Trey young. And it was extra nice to see TLC do everything that he did on the nets, which is basically nothing. Yeah. Credit to Sean Marks for not signing TLC again and getting rid of Deandre Jordan, the two biggest negatives on this team. I mean, uh, I do want to thank TLC, though, for giving us that win and gift-wrapping it and then sending it. You know, it was it was a nice uh, gesture for him for all his bad time with the Nets. So, yeah, shouts to TLC. Uh, Nick Claxton, again, uh, shut down on a superstar. Really, he's very much so limited them and uh, held the damage when he was on them in the fourth quarter. Hence the 14, 13, and 13 fourth quarters. It's when Claxton gets the most minutes and when he's on the best players. So when it comes down to it, uh, it's really just a Nick Claxton effect of what he's been doing on defense. And that defense leads to momentum, and that momentum leads to offense. So it's really just been a ton of Nick Claxton. And, uh, of course, Kevin Durant being the best closer in basketball as well. KD and Trey uh, gotten a little tiff at, I think it was the in the fourth quarter, but yeah. they're buddies. They smiled after it. Then you had that weird viral a uh, gif of KD sort of on Trey Young, like hugging him, and Young's like, get the hell off me. I thought that was pretty funny. Honestly, I look at the Hawks and I say, they are the Brooklyn Nets, baby brother. Like, I know it, really the Knicks because, you know, we always beat the Knicks, but for some reason I just feel like this last year or so, the Nets always have the Hawks number. And, of course, the Hawks, you know, went farther than the Nets in the playoffs. They lost to the Bucks last season. But I just when we whenever we play the Hawks, I, they're gonna do the Trey Young to John Collins alley oop a bunch in the beginning. Kevin Herter's gonna hit some shots. Uh, Danilo Gallinari is gonna hit some shots. But when the fourth quarter comes, for some reason, we always have an answer for Trey. And you know we're gonna trust Kevin Durant over anybody else in the universe. I, I just feel like it's I almost feel more comfortable against the Hawks than a lot of other teams. I just I don't trust them in the fourth quarter. I don't. That, that's actually perfect. That's the that's exact same way I feel. Is um They start off with the John Collins lobs, and then they get their shooters involved a little bit. And then it's all Trey tries to do everything, and Trey can't do it because we lock him down. That's like the perfect summary of Nets versus Hawks. I absolutely love that. My favorite sequence from this game, and it's going to live in my memory uh, for the rest of the season, is I think it was uh, – I forgot who missed it, but TLC gets the rebound. This is in the fourth quarter. I think they were down – was it three points? He gets one. the rebound. They were down one. They were down two. one? They were down one. Okay. 
He misses the layup, gets his own rebound, misses again. Ball ricochets off his hands, goes right to Kevin Durant, dribbles up, hits a mid-range shot. I think it might have pushed it to five because oh, that, after that it was game. Are you that's thinking of another what it was. Yeah, it no, was I'm, th- yeah. I'm thinking about how him scoring would have pushed it to a one-point game. That's right. what I heard about. So it was a three-point game. Yeah. Yeah. It would have made it one. Instead, it's a five-point game because Durant hits the, the, the gimme pull-up on the other end. And that's going to live in my mind forever. Like that was, I know it wasn't a meaningful game. Like the Knicks had, uh, I think it was against the Spurs or the Rockets in the finals. I I don't remember. I think it was the Spurs where Charles Smith missed multiple. Oh, it was the, I'm sorry. It was the Bulls. Yeah. Yeah. It was the, fuck. This is going to bother the shit out of me. Anyway, Knicks fans, please let me know what series it was. Charles Smith had multiple opportunities at a layup to basically win a huge game for the Knicks, and he missed like three or four attempts in a row. I know what you're talking about, but I can't think try, of it. You know series. what? Do me a favor. Try to find that out on the internet before we're done. I definitely want to know what series that was because it was an important series. But that TLC missing two free throws in a row and then Durant scoring at the other end, that's about as big brother, little brother as it gets in my opinion. So, yeah. It's the – um. Game seven, Raptor. Oh, wait, no, that's not right. Um, oh, it is the Bulls. It's the Bulls, 1993. Okay, there you go. So that was the Charles Smith li- miss layups. Very, very, very uh, tough for Knicks fans to remember. Four but straight. Four straight. Four straight. There you go. There you go. I love it's history. Me too. <laughs> all right, Caleb. We went over all the games. We have a matchup against the Raptors. If you're watching, it's tomorrow night. If you're listening to the podcast, it's later tonight on Tuesday. And then we play the 76ers at home on Thursday. I will be in attendance at the Sixers game. I don't think I've seen Joel Embiid play live, so I'm, I'm excited for that. Um, definitely excited to see Ben Simmons play. Oh, oh, wait. Right, yeah, he hasn't played at all this season. That's fun. Um, but, yeah, no, just uh, two, two games coming up. Um, how do you like our chances in these next two? Uh, Raptors, I, I – Personally, I don't know if it's like this for you, but I feel like a lot of the OG Nets fans feel like the real rivalry rivalry is Nets and Raptors. I don't know if you feel the same way. Yeah, I, I, it, yeah. I, I hate the Raptors. So I mean, like, it goes back to like the Vince Carter days when he became yeah. a net, and then he would always try to destroy the Raptors every time he played them. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like that's always been the real rivalry. Ah, I can't say it. Forget it. Um, not Nets versus Knicks, but um, yeah. It, I think we'll smoke the Raptors. I think uh, James Harden's going to be back, good rested. I mean, he's just going to torch them. Kevin Durant, I think we'll actually get some really good Cam Thomas minutes. I don't know. I can feel 20 for Cam. That's Just remember this. Uh, 20 from Cam against the Raptors. It's going to happen. And uh, we'll see a few flashes from, like, Scotty Barnes and whatnot, but it's not going to be enough. And then 76ers, we own the 76ers for the past like, – now, not last year, but this year we have everybody – They've sucked. We're being the 76ers as well. So, so I, I'm, I'm going to split it. I'm going to say we lose to the Raptors at home. Had a oh, long yeah. road stand. I think that they're just going to punch us in the mouth for some reason. I hope I'm wrong. That's just kind of my thought process. You'll regroup and you'll beat the 76ers on Thursday. You absolutely need that win. Um, and if you can beat the 76ers twice already in the same season, I, I would absolutely love that. So I think you lose against the Raptors. You win against Philly. Um, yeah, those are my predictions for the next two games. I, I want to thank you so much, Caleb, for coming on. Of course, my dipshit brother never joined the pod, which is typical for him. I mean, it's, it's (laughs) literally everything else 
priority and then the podcast all the way down at the bottom for him. He's a fucking Broadway show star anyway. So uh, <laughs> before we before we end the show, I mean, first off, did you enjoy your time on Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick? Honestly, this is the my my most enjoyable podcast I've ever been on uh, outside of my wow. own because you know that's my my own you know up here. I get but, it. Yeah, yeah. Fireside is uh, this is one of the you. Here's my thing. This is how I look at it. Some people are entertaining. Some people have knowledge on the game, and they voice it pretty well. But I feel like here we had a good mixture of everything. That's how I like it. You have knowledge, entertainment, and just a little bit of everything that makes a podcast whole and something listenable and uh, something people look for. So, yeah, I actually had a ton of fun. It was great. I appreciate that, man. I'm raw. You know, I'm the type that I want to say how I feel. I'm not going to hold back. That's why when it comes to the Kyrie stuff, I'm so – you know, I'm so in the middle because I, I love the the basketball player. I'm not going to say I feel a certain way about the human being because I don't know the human being, all right? Exactly. Everyone wants to speculate on who this guy is. Unless you've talked to him, unless you've met him, you just fucking are going off media reports and this and that. So it's hard for me to sit here and be like, oh, he's this, he's that. No, I know he's not playing for the Nets right now. Um, but, I mean, I'm not going to get into that again. My, my point is I'm raw. You know, I, I'm emotional. But I, I also I know about this team. I know about the game of basketball, and 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 that's what we try to do here. We try to have fun with our guests. So I, I hope Absolutely. you had a fun time. Uh, we we'd love to have you back on in the future. And, Absolutely. And if, if, you ever, if you guys ever want, you know, I, I'd be happy to come on Brooklyn Netcast as well. Yeah, we we should. I'll, I'll message you after this. Actually, we have to right. have some more because this. Uh, yeah, I think we should, this should be a you know a common thing. Like maybe like once a month or whatnot. You know, you you have, we do the joint stuff. I, I love it. it. And ladies and gentlemen, that is how you invite yourself politely onto someone else's podcast. Thank you for (laughs) listening to another episode of Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick. Today we had Spen and Caleb. And as always, catch you on the fireside.